The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. So about two years ago, I found myself all the way over in a country called New Zealand. Do you guys know where that is? It's below Australia, in case you didn't know. Um, How I got there is a story for another time. But when I was there, within the first couple of weeks stepping foot into that country, I met this guy named Tom, and he captured my heart. I kid you not. He was a guy that I have been dreaming of my entire life. Um, He loved the outdoors. He loved the Lord. He knew scripture. He had an awesome community of friends. He went to an awesome church. He was pretty cute, too. And let's not forget the accent, right? That Kiwi accent is fantastic. But so we hang out. We like, we're hanging out in groups all the time. We're going on hikes and stuff. But I had this longing to hang out with him just by myself. I just really wanted to get to know this guy and kind of see who he was, talk to him, get to know his heart. But things just kept not working out. But then there's this one time that I want to like kind of elaborate on a little bit to kind of walk you through how incredible this man is and how much I was obsessed with him. So at the time, I was working at a cafe, and um, I had got word that Tom was going to this conference. And I really wanted to go to this conference because speakers seemed really awesome, but mostly I wanted to hang out with Tom. So the day before my shift that I was going to, the power was out at work. So when I was walking to work that day, I was just praying, like, dear God, please let the power go out. I really want to hang out with Tom tonight. Please let the power go out. But I'm working at a good establishment, so that really shouldn't be the case. Like, the power should get back on. And I walk into work, and all the power is out. Like, every single thing is out in the whole place. And I'm like, God, did you do it? Do we, did me and Tom get to hang out now? And so we waited for an hour to see the power turn back on, and it didn't. So then I messaged Tom, and a few minutes later, he picked me up, and we were on our way to this conference. I had butterflies in my stomach. I was, like, so excited the whole time. I get to hang out with Tom, and I was stoked. The conference was absolutely amazing. Like, watching him worship was also very fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so then after the conference, we're supposed to go back to our friend's house for a movie night. And I was like, Tom, there's too much energy. I can't go back to a movie night when you go on an adventure. So he pulls his car into this like park area. And before I know, I find ourselves like running up and down these grassy hills, hopping over crosswalks, like running up in trees and talking about our lives. We're like counting stars in the sky. I even tried to point out the Big Dipper to him. But then I realized that we're in the Southern Hemisphere and it's in the Northern Hemisphere. So it doesn't even exist down there. Um, and that was it. Like that was kind of like the time that Tom and I really just hung out, and we had a few little interactions here and there, but nothing really came of it. So then it was my time for my flight back home, I go back to America, but guys, I cannot stop thinking about him. For the next year and a half, I kid you not, I like Facebook stalk him, I pray about him, I journal about our life together, I like thought like we were going to get married, he was the guy. Um, so then about four months ago in April, I had another flight going back to New Zealand. I had just finished a really busy season, and I kind of needed a break to... Uh, find some time alone. And part of me is like, I'm going over there to see my friends and have a break. But if I'm being honest, a pretty good portion of this time going back to New Zealand was to see Tom and to like, make this relationship happen. Like I thought I was going to marry him. I needed to go talk to him. <laughs> so I get on a plane, I land. And let me tell you, the first time that I saw him at the airport or at, the, at church, and I saw like, what I saw in a Facebook picture, just a stagnant person. But when I saw him like moving and breathing and talking, my heart dropped again. I was like, that's the man of my dreams. I'm going to marry him. <laughs> and um, after about two weeks, we ended up hanging out. And I was like, Tom, like, I would love to hang out with you more. I really want to get to know you. I want to like, kind of see what you're about and like, hang out with you. I want to be intentional with you. 
So he asked for a day to pray about it. He went home, talked to his brother, talked to his friends. He got a blessing to hang out with him, would hang out with me. And so then for about two weeks, we were like having a thing. We date, we went on dates, like even so much so we were running on this backwards, beautiful like mountain trail. We went into the ocean together. It was like super romantic and like awesome. And then we were going off to the summer camp for about five days to leave these kids, these campers. I was kind of excited to have a place to be away with him, but also be like protected and nothing dangerous or anything like that. Temptation wise, you know. Um, so then we get to this camp, and the first night he asked me to go on a walk. I'm like, yes, we're going to talk about how we're going to make this long-distance thing work with me living in America and him living in New Zealand. It's like, we're going to have like a DTR, like a legit, like we're going to figure things out. So he takes me on the walk. We're walking around. It's a beautiful night, guys. It's like bright, like dark skies with like lots of stars everywhere. Just absolutely stunning. And he, we're walking, and the mood kind of changes. He's like, I don't know, things kind of change. We're like talking about our days, and then things kind of quiet, you know, before they bring up a conversation. And he looks at me and he's like, Krista, like, I don't get it. Like, you check all the boxes. And on paper, it all makes sense. But there's no spark. <laughs> Has anyone else been there before? No? Yeah? A few hands? The only other hands, okay. But guys, it sucked. Like, it sucked. Like, he, I, like, a year and a half of building up my entire, like, life with this guy. Like, I said Krista Bats. Like, I had the whole thing written down in journals and stuff. And he just, there's no spark. And instantly, I was like, am I not good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not adventurous enough? Am I not funny enough? And then my mind went to the whole idea of, like, well, who is he going to choose? Is she going to be prettier than me or funnier than me or more adventurous than me? And it was just, like, this negative, like, wall of just, like, disgustingness like it felt horrible and I felt like I wanted to like just go crawl in a hole and never come out and the worst thing was I was trying to be a leader at this camp so here I am like struggling so hard with these emotional trauma while trying to lead these people through a week at church camp and it just like was not a good balance at all and there's this moment when I was not chosen like Tom did not choose me as much as I wanted him to choose me it wasn't his thing and so these past five weeks, we've been talking about the I Am series. Um, we've talked about God being, or about um, us being like home, alive, free, being enough, and being known by Christ. And today I want to make the bold statement that as followers of Christ, we are chosen by Christ. In that moment with Tom, he did not choose me, and it sucked. But what I want to teach you guys today and really help you understand is that your unchosenness in life does not define you. That it is not the people that say no to you, the jobs that you don't get, internships that you get let down from. Those things do not define you at all. It is your chosenness in Christ that defines you. So our text, um, so I want to ask you a question. When you think of the word chosen, like what comes to mind? Is it a time when you have been chosen for something, when you're asked to a gad or when you're asked to prom? or when you got the job that you wanted, the internship that you wanted, or is your first knee-jerk reaction something more negative, something that you weren't chosen for, the job that you didn't get, the honor roll you didn't get on, the scholarship you got the rejection letter from. Um, our text for today, it comes from John 15, and it's um, the part about the vine and the branches. I want to read it to you guys, and then we'll kind of tear apart a few parts of the scripture. So it says, I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will be much, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And at the end of this passage, um, in chapter 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. So when Mike gave me this passage, um, I just read the scripture. I opened it up, and I read it. And I was like, God, speak to me through this passage. Speak to me on what you want me to speak to your children at the gathering at the end. And the verse that popped up out of nowhere was the verse, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So a little bit of background. I grew up in a Christian family my whole life. I've gone to every single church camp in the world. I love games, and I know the answers to all the Sunday school questions. So when I read this verse, and it says, um, you did not choose me, I chose you, I'm confused. I'm like, I said yes to you, Jesus. I chose to walk with you. I said yes to being a Christian. So what does it mean that you chose me? I'm the one choosing to walk with you. When I was studying, this random thought came into my head, which I'm learning now as a voice of God. But he brought up the idea of the chicken and the egg. And he's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I was like, that's so random, God. Why did you bring that up? But then it brought me to the beginning part of this passage that says, um, I am the vine and you are the branches. In that situation, it's obvious which came first, right? There is no branch without the vine. The vine came first. And so we're thinking about this idea of being chosen, that it's not being chosen on like a temporal, like worldly kind of point of view. It's being chosen outside of time. God chose each and every one of us to be born and be on the planet at this time. And so like the idea of the chicken and the egg, like obviously God created the chicken. So God created us because he wanted us to grow and be with him through the branches and the vine. Um, so back to kind of my story with Tom is I feel like a trend now in millennial culture is that once you kind of go through like a life, like a big life moment and you experience something, you get a tattoo about it. Is this true? Has anyone else in the room done this before? Be brave. Yes. Okay. I want to hear some stories later on. So it was the weekend before I left New Zealand to come back to America. And I have had this idea of a tattoo for a long time. Um, and I decided to get these. I was like, what the heck, knock? It cost like $22 American. I was like, I'm going to do it. So I ended up getting this tattoo on my forearm, and it's three chevrons that are facing upward. And it's this idea that my value and my worth and my chosenness comes from my Father above. That my value and my worth does not come from people around me, like living horizontally. It comes solely from my Father above. So regardless of my chosenness from Tom or him rejecting me, I am still the same person because God created me as I am. Does that make sense? It's the idea of like living vertically versus living horizontally. Um, so then back to the analogy of the vine and the branch, I kind of want to pull apart a few more parts of that passage. Um, so it says in the first chapter, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And we know that all parts about God is the good, right? So we know that God's a really, really good gardener. When God came through my life and he cut off that branch of Tom, it was not a pleasant feeling. It actually sucked. I had about three and a half weeks of like complete turmoil and sadness and like depression and bad habits and like self-hate and hurt. It was just not a good time at all. And it sucked. But in that branch breaking and in his pruning, he started to teach me what it's like to take things off my body that I don't need anymore. 
Um, one part about understanding our chosenness that we need to choose to step into our chosenness. So when we hear the lies of you're not good enough, you're not called, like you're not pretty enough or adventurous enough, you physically and tangibly need to like take those thoughts and take them off of you. Like take off the mask of the lies, like you're not good enough, whatever it is. You need to actually take it off. And he was kind of showing me through this experience that my identity was more so in Tom and in things of this world than it was in the Lord. And so through this experience, even though it sucked, I was learning that my, I needed to remind myself that I was identities in the Lord and that alone and nothing in this world. Um, so the other idea that I had when I had this like rejection from Tom was for myself, like you're not good enough, but also this idea of competition. My mind immediately went to, well, who will he choose? He doesn't choose me, then who will he choose? Will she be better than me? She's prettier than me? She's probably way cooler than I am. I'm not that cool anyways. And it's this idea of competition. Like in our world that we live in, we think about chosenness as a you win and I lose, or a you win and or I win and you lose, right? So in terms of a job, like either you get the job and then they don't get the job. Kind of makes sense? It's competition. But the interesting thing about our life is that we don't live with the Lord in a state of competition at all. Okay? If you understand that your chosenness is rooted in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy it, then you understand that what you do is not dependent upon your neighbors at all. That your identity and your worth is found only in yourself and in the Lord and not in how they are. It's not dependent upon anyone else. And I want to read this quote to you guys from this awesome book, Life of the Beloved. Has anyone read it before? Oh, okay, you guys got to pick this book up. It's absolutely amazing. It talks about abiding in the vine and how we need to see the rest and be with the Lord. And there's this chapter in this book called Taken, which is another word for being chosen. I'm going to read this passage to you guys real quick. It's on the screen as well. When we claim and constantly reclaim the truth of being the chosen ones, we soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their chosenness. Instead of making us feel that we are better, more precious, or valuable than others, our awareness of being chosen opens our eyes to the chosenness of others. That is a great joy of becoming chosen, or being chosen, the discovery that others are chosen as well. In the house of God, there are many mansions. There's a place for everyone, a unique, special place. Once we truly or deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, we are able to recognize the preciousness of others in their unique places in God's heart. I know it's super hard to understand this concept. Especially in school or in classes when you're graded on the curve, you're constantly judged against another person. But you have to understand that your choices are your choices, and who you are is who you are, and God created you that way. And if you can understand this and grasp this concept and believe it with all that you have, you're going to begin to step into this world of just life to the full and life abundant. So this other part of the story that I wasn't planning on sharing, but it came back to me, was um, the weekend after Tom had said, I, there's no spark, we're over. Um, pretty sad. I spent like three days by myself. My friends had all gone off to this beautiful vacation home, and I decided that I just wanted to sit and like sit with my feelings, like walk through them, kind of figure out what was going on. It was not a pretty time, bad decision. I should have been with friends, like lots of negative thinking, just horrible time. And that Monday after that weekend, I woke up with the intention of going for a run and like clearing my mind and having this morning to myself and just to be with God. And so at the time, I was staying at my friend's house, and the parents had given me their car, they gave me all their food, I was staying for free for three months. They were such a giving and loving, incredible people. 
And I was borrowing the car of one of the brothers, and um, I get in the car. It's like 6.30 in the morning. It's kind of foggy outside. It's all cold. I turn on the car, and I'm reversing down the driveway. It's like pretty steep. And they always mention how people run into this little fence thing on the driveway. And I was like, nah, it's okay. I'm not going to hit it. And for some reason, I just remember looking back and not seeing it. But I was like, it's fine, it's fine. So then I'm reversing down the driveway, and I run the car into this fence. And it was a massive dent in the bumper. And just on top of the whole taunting emotions everywhere, I'm devastated. Like, I'm 6.30 in the morning, I'm laying on the driveway, and I call the mom, bawling. Because they had given me everything. They'd given me free, like, free everything, just treat me with the love of Christ, and gave me absolutely the world. And here I am, bawling, having dented their son's car. And I called Juliet, the mom of the house. I'm like, Juliet, I'm so sorry. Like, I dented your brother's, your son's car. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just, like, devastated because I feel like I'm just not enough. Like, overwhelmed by being not enough. They've given me everything, and I still failed, and I still sucked, and I just still made a mistake. And my self-value and worth was just, like, literally ground zero. I'm in a foreign country. It just, like, was not a good place or time. And she answers the phone. I remember this time so clearly. And she, I was like, just crying, talking to her, and she's like, Krista, stop talking. And she's like, you're precious, you're precious, you're precious. And she's like, not just to me, but to your family back home, to your friends here, to your friends back home, and more than anything, the Lord. These things of this world do not define you. It's a bumper, I can get it fixed. We care about who you are. And guys, I have never been rocked with an image more of Christ than that moment. Like, they gave me absolutely everything, and I tried my hardest. I cleaned my room, I did dishes, I tried to pay for food when I could, and I still failed, and I still sucked. But you guys, what you need to understand and learn is that those things do not define you. Those are worldly things. You're going to live your entire life being rejected by things. I'm sorry to break it to you. You're all probably going to graduate at some, God willing, sometime, and you're going to apply for a job, and you're probably going to apply for, like, lots and lots of jobs. And most likely, you're going to probably get denied from at least one of them. But isn't it true that like, you're going to encounter these things all the time, you're going to get denied from a lot of stuff? They don't define you, okay? You have to understand that things of this world are temporary, and they will fade and pass away. What you've got to live for and stand for are things that will last forever. And that is your value in time with the Lord. But this is not an easy concept to grasp. Okay? At all. Just yesterday, I was with a friend in my front yard crying about this concept. I was just overwhelmed with the feeling of being not enough. I'm like speaking at the end tomorrow night. I feel like I'm not a good speaker. Like I just had all these pressures and things weighing down on me. And I literally collapsed to my front yard, which is the most like obvious place in the world to do this. I live on 16th. It was not smart. But then my friend came along and she was there to comfort me. And she just spoke all this truth into me. But it's not an easy concept to understand. And it's a choice. You guys have to wake up and choose to walk into your chosenness. It will not just be given to you. Okay? And actually, in regards to this whole series, you have to be chosen to be known. And you have to choose to be free. And you have to choose to do all these other things and be home and alive. But it's up to you to make that choice. I so firmly believe that God has come to give us all life and life to the full. And my heart is for each and every one of you guys to experience that. For you to experience complete freedom from all insecurities and self-doubt and comparison and live into the life that God calls you to live into. So in the analogy of the vine and the branch, God is the vine and we are the branches. And when he created us, he created each and every one of us with a purpose, 
a different fruit to bear. And that fruit will only come to its full fruition when you are resting and abiding in the Lord. So my prayer for you guys today and for the rest of your time at school and the rest of your guys' life is for you to press into the Lord, to abide in Him, to sit with Him and be poured into by Him and discover what you are called to do and who you are. Because that life is the one you want to live for and God will be there with you the whole time and it will be one freaking amazing adventure, let me tell you. Um, And in conclusion for this whole thing, what matters more than anything in the whole world is that God chose you and He chooses you every single day. Things of this world will fall away. Friends will let you down. Parents will let you down. Boyfriends, girlfriends will let you down. But our God will stand with you until the end of eternity, which is not even existing because eternity. So forevermore, he will stand with you. Um, let me pray for you guys and leave it at that. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for choosing me, even in all my insecurities and my not-enoughness, God. But in those lies, you come and you you tell me, Father, that you have chosen me and you have chosen every single person in this entire place. Father, I pray you give us the strength to understand who we are and whose we are and push aside the lies and the self-doubt and the not-enoughness and the unworthiness that we will remember that we are not defined by this world but rather our chosenness in you that we will live for you every single day of our life. We love you, God, so much and bless this evening. Amen.